0: Hey, thanks for listening to Cornerstone Church. You can find us on the web at akcornerstone.org. And we want you to know it's our prayer that the Holy Spirit will use this message to either save you through the good news about Jesus Christ, grow you into the likeness of Jesus, or send you to proclaim Jesus in the Spirit's power. What I want to do this morning as we stand on the threshold of a new year is I want to tell you how to have a great year in 2014. I'm going to give you some, what I believe is proven, tried and true, divine advice for having a successful year. But in order to do that, we need to start out with an understanding and recognition of the problem that we face as we stand on the threshold of 2014. It's not a new problem to 2014. It is a problem as old as man. Isaiah stated the problem like this in his letter, 53rd chapter, the 6th verse Isaiah the prophet wrote, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Herein, ladies and gentlemen, lies our problem. We are like sheep. Now to us, at the end of 2013, that statement does not mean as much, is not as rich as it would have been to Isaiah's audience many, many years ago. Different culture, different day. So let me give you the clip notes on what Isaiah was saying. When he said that we are like sheep, he didn't mean that we are cute and cuddly like sheep. He meant we're ignorant. We're ignorant. And our ignorance shows up in that we do this just like sheep. Every one of us goes astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. Now, before you rise up and stone me off the stage for starting your upcoming year with an insult, please notice that I said we. We, me and you, me first, then you. As Paul said, I am the chief of sinners. He hadn't met me yet, or he wouldn't have said that. But I am just being honest, transparent, humble to stand before you and say, here's what I need, and here's what I know that you need. We need constant care. We need constant direction. We need courageous protection. We need clear leadership. We need a shepherd. We desperately need a shepherd. You see, sheep Sheep are basically defenseless animals. I mean, what are the defenses? What are the weapons of a sheep? Some of the animals on the lower part of the food chain, the Creator endows them with some defenses like the skunk has its... its what? Not its stripe, its smell, right? (laughs) The porcupine has its... the turtle has its... Shell. What do sheep have? They're defenseless creatures. They are wolf bait and they are ignorant in that they are so prone to wander and pursue their own interests. Isaiah was accurate in his characterization of us when he wrote, we all like sheep have gone astray. But Isaiah's point was not to highlight and draw attention. His big truth was not just to tell us of our ignorance. That was just a means to point to the truth that He was wanting to set in place. And here is the truth. And I want to bring this truth out throughout this message. The truth is this. We need a shepherd. We are in absolute, desperate need. You and I... We are in desperate need of a shepherd. As we stand here on the brink of 2014, what we desperately need more than we need anything in 2014, more than you need a better job, a higher salary, a different home, a different whatever, what you need is a shepherd. A shepherd that can provide the constant care. A shepherd that can give the daily guidance. A shepherd that can give the constant encouragement. And a shepherd that can provide courageous protection. But who is up to the task? Who can do it? I mean... Who is capable of dealing with the myriad of circumstances all around us? Each one of our circumstances different. Who is capable of handling the treacherous way that is before us? Who is up to the task of facing the enemies all around us after our blood? I'm referring to the demonic forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Who is up to such a task? Well, the answer to that question obviously is the Lord Jesus Christ. He has proven Himself to be the worthy shepherd. He knows the location of every green pasture. He knows every turn and trap along the path. He knows exactly where the wolves run. And He is unafraid of the wolf and unafraid of the valley. And He is always, always, always victorious. He is the shepherd that you need. David in chapter 23 of Psalms, he wrote that beautiful shepherd psalm. He was a good man to write it. He was a shepherd, had been one from his youth. He understood the role of a shepherd and the protection and the care and the guidance and the direction that a shepherd provided. He understood sheep and how desperate they were and how hopeless they were without a shepherd. And so what David did as he drew from that experience is he used the illustration of a shepherd in Psalms 23 to talk to us about the kind of care that God wants to give, the kind of protection, the kind of leadership that He wants to provide for us. And so David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. You see, in the Old Testament, there were many names for God. Actually, it's a really incredible thing to study the names of God throughout the Old Testament. As it unfolds, new names of God are given, and each one of them reveals another aspect of his character. One of the names in the Old Testament is Jehovah Rohi, and it means the Lord is my shepherd. So, David wrote about Jehovah Rohi in Psalms 23. But even David himself didn't realize the incredible picture he was painting of the One that was to come. You see, Jehovah-Rohi, some thousand years after David penned the 23rd Psalm, Jehovah-Rohi was going to make himself Jesus of Nazareth. And he was going to come right down to our earth, to our pasture. And He was going to begin to gather in the sheep into His fold. And in Psalms 23, we're not going to take the time uh, to walk through Psalms 23, but I want to set this foundation piece in place. In Psalms 23, David, inspired by Jehovah-Rohi, in the writing of that psalm, he gave three key characteristics of a shepherd. Let me just tell you what they were quickly. Number one, a shepherd heals our past. David wrote that the Lord, his shepherd, restores his soul. That is a healing of the past. That is a taking care of The internal turmoil related to the problems of life. A good shepherd is able to deal with the past and heal it. Secondly, David wrote that the Lord his shepherd guides him in paths of righteousness, is with him in the valley of the shadow of death, sets a table before him in the presence of his enemies, anoints his head with oil. Those are all present day moment helps. You see, the second key of a shepherd is that a good shepherd helps us in the present. He doesn't just heal our past. He helps us in the present. And then thirdly, David wrote in Psalms 23 that a good shepherd gives us hope for the future. For David wrote, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. A shepherd, like the shepherd of Psalms 23, Jehovah-Rohi is able to heal our past, help us in the present, and give us an undefeatable hope for the future. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you the Lord Jesus Christ and His role of shepherding and show you that that is precisely a beautiful picture of what Jesus Christ did when He came. So here is the first notch in Jesus' shepherd staff. Number 1 Jesus is the if you're taking notes, Jesus is the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Remember what a shepherd does? He heals our past. John chapter 10 verse 11, Jesus said, I am the Good Shepherd. There it is. I'm the Good Shepherd. And then He qualified what that meant. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. What made Jesus the Good Shepherd? That He was willing to lay down His life for the sheep. He did that for us. Jesus is good because He sacrificed Himself for us. And what did His sacrifice take care of? It restores our soul. It takes care of all of our sin. It heals our past. Jesus is the Jehovah Rogi of Psalms 23. He's the Jesus of Nazareth of 2000 years ago he's the good shepherd who did what he went to the cross and he willingly laid down his life for his sheep and what that did is that his death Jesus died to restore your soul 1 Peter 3:18 for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. You see, Jesus, by His death, made it possible for the problem that was yours, the soul deep problem that was yours, by His death, Jesus made it possible to restore that back into a relationship with a Holy God. How did He do that? He did it by laying down His life. He did it by taking the condemnation and the punishment that you deserved and I deserved for my sin and for your sin. Jesus took that sin upon Himself so that He could give us His righteousness. He paid the penalty so He could give us His freedom. He's the good shepherd who laid down His life for the sheep. And what does that mean? In His death, there is the power to take care of all of your sin, all of your past, to restore you into a relationship of peace with God. Second notch in the shepherd's staff of Jesus Christ. Not only is He the good shepherd who laid His life down, but He's also the great shepherd. Hebrews chapter 13, 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace... Who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, here it comes, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good, that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you hear what the writer of Hebrews said? Jesus didn't just die to prove He was good. He rose to prove He was great. And if His resurrection proves anything, it proves that He is great indeed. He has conquered death and hell. He has paid the price for sin. His resurrection proves that the sacrifice was accepted by the Father. He is the great shepherd because he rose again just like he said that he would. So here's what that means. That means he's alive. He is alive and well. He is the God from heaven who married the divine nature with the human nature and then did exactly what the Old Testament said He would do. And exactly what He said He would do. I'm going to Jerusalem and I'm going to die. But three days later, I'm coming back. And He's the God who kept that promise so that you can rely on Him to keep the other promises that He made. And the other promises that He made is this, I'm never going to leave you nor forsake you. That means He's alive and well and He's with you right now if you're His sheep. So here's what that means. Not only does He take care of your past, but the risen Great Shepherd is helping you in the present. Just like the Shepherd of Psalms 23 anoints and sets the table before all of those things in the moment, in the present. Jesus the Good Shepherd is available and active and working in the present. Why? Because He's the Great Shepherd who rose again. Listen again to what Hebrews says. Hebrews 13.21 Says that he equips you with everything good. And then the latter part of verse 21: working in us that which is pleasing. So, how does Jesus transform the present? He does it in two ways, right here in Hebrews. Number one, he equips you with everything that is good. You're a sheep. Secondly, he empowers you. To do that which is pleasing in His sight. He equips you and He empowers you. How does He do those two things? Well, how does He equip you? He equips you with His Word. He equips you with His Word. 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17 All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Husbands, fathers, wives, mothers, singles, children. You want to have a good 2014? You want to have a successful year? You're a sheep. Remember that. What you're desperately going to need what you're desperately going to need so that you don't wander off into danger, so that you don't wander off to your own destructive habits, what you're desperately going to need is you're going to need the equipping of the Word of God. And the living great shepherd is alive and well to do that for you throughout 2014. Secondly, he works in us. That which is pleasing in His sight. How does He do that? He empowers you with His Spirit. He equips you with His Word. He empowers you with His Spirit. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you both the will and to work for His good pleasure. This is written to all the sheep. This is written to all the followers of Jesus Christ. And it says that God is actually working in Your life. So that you will and work. So that you want to do the right and you get it done. That's empowerment. That's involvement in the presence from God. You see... The Great Shepherd is great because He rose again. And what He gives to His sheep is the very resurrection power that He has so that they can live that kind of a new life in the present. Jesus is the Good Shepherd because He laid down His life unto death to take care of your past. And He's the Great Shepherd because He rose again. And he equips and empowers you in the present to live for him. I love this thought. Jesus loves to do the work of transformation in his sheep. He loves that. He loves that. You know what? I'm just so convinced that he loves, he loves to see the encounter that his sheep have with the enemy and watch them through His equipping, empowering presence, drive the enemy back into the desert because they are transformed into His warrior sheep. That's what He does for us. Sheep are defenseless, but when you have Jesus as your good and great shepherd, He actually makes you into a warrior sheep that can take authority over and drive the enemy back. You're not helpless anymore. You don't need to be kicked down and have your teeth kicked in by Him. You can be a warrior sheep by the equipping and the empowering presence and Word of God in your life. And He loves to see you exercise what He has given you and take authority over the enemy and drive him back and live in victory. That brings Him glory when you do that. Amen? Praise God. First notch in His shepherd's staff, He's the good shepherd who lays His life down. Second notch in His shepherd's staff, He is the great shepherd who rose again. Here's the third notch. If he's going to be a good shepherd like Jehovah Rohi that David wrote about, he's also going to have to give us a hope for the future, right? That was the third aspect. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 5 4. And when, referring to Jesus, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive. The unfading crown of glory. Jesus is not just the good shepherd and the great shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. And what is this role of chief shepherd related to? And when the chief shepherd appears. That means when He returns. Jesus is the chief shepherd because He's coming back again. And when He comes back again, You're going to receive the unfading crown of glory. He's bringing His reward with Him. And how is He going to come back? He's going to come back as the Judge of all heaven and earth. That's the Chief Shepherd. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord when He returns as the Chief Shepherd. And when He comes back as the chief shepherd, He is bringing His reward with Him to give to every one of His sheep. And that reward is a crown of glory that will never fade away. That means it is indescribable. It is indescribable. Beyond human comprehension, the reward that is coming for all of His sheep. Here's what Jesus himself said. Revelation 22, 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. That can be either a scary statement or a really positive statement. Good Shepherd why? Because He laid down His life, proving His goodness in sacrifice for your sin. Great Shepherd, why? Because He defeated death and rose again. And able as the living Lord to help us in the present with His equipping and empowering. And then, He's also the Chief Shepherd who has for you an undefeatable hope for the future. So here's the question. As you stand here, as we stand here together and we kind of peer into 2014, the question is this. Is he your shepherd? He's not everyone's shepherd. Is he yours? What does it mean To have Jesus as your shepherd. I'm going to give you just five bullet points really quick. First of all, it's this. To have Jesus as your good, great, and chief shepherd. Taking care of your past, equipping and empowering you in the present, and giving you the undefeatable hope for the future In order for that to be true, you have to trust Him by leaning on His grace. And I would add this, do it immediately if you haven't done it. Trust Him by leaning on His grace. He has done enough to save you, to empower you, and to secure you past, present, and future. Trust His grace. Throw aside any, if you've never come to Him, throw aside any idea of self-merit. Understand your guilt and your need. You're in absolute desperation. You're hopeless, defenseless. You're a sheep that has gone astray. And what you have to have to make it is the good, great, and chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. Trust Him and Him alone. John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters by Me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So trust Him by leaning on His grace. Here's two more. Realities of sheep. John 10, 27, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Did you hear the two things that Jesus said his sheep do there? Let me read it again. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. They hear, and they follow. They hear, and they follow. That's what sheep do. You want to have a successful 2014? Let me remind you again, we all are like sheep. Meaning, we are in desperation for a shepherd. Let me just talk to the Alaskan spirit here for a minute. You pioneer, self reliant, MacGyver type, right? You can go through 2014. You could double your portfolio. You could get the new job. You could buy the house on the hill, drive the new car, get the education finished, whatever. You do all that, and if you don't walk through 2014 with a shepherd, it is a year of devastation for you. It's a year of destruction because you are a sheep and you cannot make it without the shepherd. Everything else is secondary to that. Let me talk to you men for just a minute, husbands and fathers. how desperately we need the good, great, and chief shepherd. Let me ask you a question. How bad do your kids need it? If you need it that bad, how bad do your kids need it in the world they're growing up in? So make the connection here. If it is of absolute desperate need for you this year, 2014, to live a successful year to be hearing and following Jesus, how desperate it is for them to do that. And whose role as a father and whose role as a husband is it to help the children and the wives do that? It is your role. If you're a husband, if you're a father. I want to just equip you for a minute. One of my jobs is to equip the saints. It says that in Scripture, Ephesians. Just a simple, time we're going to unpack some of this more throughout the year, but I'm going to equip you to help your kids, help your family have a successful year. Here's how you do it. You get your family, you gather them up, and you do this. And you read, and you talk about it, and you pray. You read, you talk. Well, Brad, I don't know how to do No, you can read. You can read. Well, I don't have all the answers. Well, neither do I. Neither do I. God's really been speaking to me, convicting me about this. I need to do this more consistently with my kids. I just want to say that in front of my bride and my kids right here. Just do that. Just open it up consistently and just read it. I know it can be intimidating, particularly if you feel like you're going to come on to questions you can't answer and uh, things that seem to contradict. It's okay. God is bigger than that. He is not stressed out that you don't know everything. He's not. Really, He's not. And He's giving you a charge. And as you step into it, even if with fear and trepidation, He'll equip you to do what He wants you to do. But leadership means you take the initiative. You gather them. You sit down. You open it up and you read it. And you pray and you talk about it. That's it. Just take some time consistently. Each week, I'd say every day, but at least three or four times a week, just to gather your family, open up the Word, read a chapter, read a section, talk about it, and pray. You see, what happens is that the good, great, and chief shepherd invades that. He steps in and equips you to do what you can't do, and he begins to lead and guide and feed and protect and care for your family as well as you he does it as you take the lead and engage in that he does that through you i had heard just the last month or so two statistics that just i mean they just literally blew my mind if i were to say this rhetorical question If I were to ask you, just as our society as a whole, what is one of the greatest or the greatest problem, breakdown in our culture? My answer to that would be it's the breakdown of the family. It's the breakdown of the family. It's marriages that just take a walk. It's kids raised without parental supervision and good role models. Here's the two statistics that I heard recently. Husbands and wives that pray together. You know what the divorce rate is nationally outside and inside the church? Like 50%. Husbands and wives that pray consistently together. That's like daily. You know what the divorce rate is? Less than 1%. I mean, huh, if we could just do that one thing right there, we could change the t- statistic. Less than 1%. Heard another statistic one from one of our elders who went to a conference Uh, Elder Bob, that families that consistently not just pray together, but read and study the Word of God together, that the divorce rate is 1 to 1,019. Is that right? 1 to 1,019. (laughs) You want uh, a challenge, a task for 2014 to make your family successful? Do this. Pray together and read the Word of God together. Just do those two things. Just do those two things. Men, do those two things. Ladies, do those two things. We'll see God, the good, great, and chief shepherd, do the miraculous. So, first component of being a sheep is you've got to trust Jesus by leaning on His grace. Secondly, hear Him by following His word consistently. Third, follow Him by living out His truth faithfully. Here's number four. Serve Him by loving His flock sacrificially. Galatians 5.13 For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Man, there's one another's all over the New Testament. The church is a family. We're meant to live in community. If you're not in a life group, you need to be in a life group. You just need to be in a life group. This is not a life group. This is a big group. We lit, we're living, but it's not a life group. A life group is a group that's small enough to actually know each other to actually get close to each other, to pray with each other, to look into the Word together, to be on mission together in the world to see lost people, to work together to see lost people come into the kingdom. To do the rhythms of life together. We're meant to be in community. That's why there's so many one another's in Scripture because we need one another. And then number five, here's another aspect of a sheep to show Christ by living out His love compassionately. Matthew 5.16 In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You want to have a good year? 2014 Man, pursue the good, great, and chief shepherd by doing this. Trust His grace consistently hear His Word, continually follow His truth by living it out, serve in love, and show Him by sharing His love with others. That, in the eyes of the good, great, and chief shepherd, would be a great year. It'd be a great year. Would you please stand... Father, hmm. You know every heart. You know exactly where each person is at and the steps that we need to take, myself included. 2014. I thank You, God, for the year that you have taken us through. Some have had what appears from the outside to be a a mountaintop year and others have, I know, some of their stories have been in some deep valleys and are still. But I know that even though you are unseen at times in those valleys, that you never leave nor forsake. So I thank you for that. Help us to trust you when we cannot see what you're doing. For the year ahead, God, glorify yourself through this church, through these families, through these individuals. Glorify yourself. Help us to live in victory, the victory that you died and rose again to offer. Be equipped and empowered by your word in your presence, your spirit. And to live lives of servant love following the example of Jesus. Because that's great in your eyes. Was to stay close to the good, great and chief shepherd so when we get to the end of the year, we could look back over the year and say, wow, man, did I get to know Jesus better this year. What a great year. Regardless of circumstances, what a great year because I walked close with my Lord. In Christ's name, amen.